y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Today, I'm chatting with author Julie Moore. She's the author of a book called The Pet Soul Book. It's basically, it's a guide for letting go and connecting with your beloved pet. And we're talking all about pet loss. Um, it could be dog, cat, fish, turtle, any type of pet that you have about losing them and the grief that you feel afterwards. Pets give us unconditional love. And if you've been a follower of the blog Adventures of Frugal Mom for a while, you know that Allie, our 10-year-old Shih Tzu, is a huge part of the brand. And that's the reason why she's included, her little picture is included in the little logo for the Chats from the Blog Cabin. But his, she's getting old and she's 10. So there's going to come a time we're going to have to say goodbye. Even though I don't want to think about it right now, there will be a time. So I thought it was really great to have Julie on and talk about grieving our pets, what we can do, how you know it's time to let your pet go, and different things. And her book is really great, so I really hope you enjoyed this interview. And you know what I need you to do right now? That's right, start listening. Welcome back to the one year anniversary of Chats from the Blog Cabin. It was one year ago today that I went on a challenge and went live with a friend and it bit and it stuck. And I'm so happy that Julie is joining me today for the one year anniversary. And Julie, before we get into your book and what it's all about, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, first of all, Melissa, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm very honored to be the one year guest. That's awesome. A little bit about me. I have been working as a high school counselor for almost 25 years now. So as you can imagine, the ins and outs of education and counseling and teenagers, it's really kept me young. And I just, I feel great about doing that, but I'm also coming very close to the end of my career as a school counselor. And I'll be able to do more things with the book and do things with my dogs. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and other animals and different projects and things that I have uh, moving forward. Prior to that, um, hodgepodge of jobs. I mean, I was a director of a mental health agency. I sold cars. I was the manager of a clothing store. I was the singer in a rock band <laughs> and did, I've done a lot of community theater and that type of thing. So I have a lot of interests and uh, a lot of things going on and it just, it keeps me feeling alive and young and, and that's what I love. So I love that. You have definitely had a gambit. I mean, singer in a rock band, high school counselor, clothing store manager. I mean, what, how in the world did you get to where you are counseling now? Well, it was really interesting. I haven't really told that story before. So um, I had done this hodgepodge of jobs uh, after I got out of college 
did three or four or five different jobs over a period of about nine years. And I really didn't feel fulfilled in any of them. And so I happened to just read this book called Cultural Literacy. And it talked a little bit about how kids weren't getting enough of the soft skills. They were learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, but weren't learning about culture and that type of thing. And it kind of inspired me to want to do something in education. But I really knew that I wasn't a teacher. I, I didn't want to be a teacher. That's I have many talented friends that do that, and they're spectacular at it. But one of the silver threads that were going through all the jobs that I had was that people came to me, told me a little bit about their lives, sometimes shared some problems or challenges with them. I even had people in the back of me online at the Publix or the grocery store, mm -hmm. uh, you know, telling me about their lives and, and I'm having this problem and that type of thing. So I reached out to the local college and started looking into counseling types of programs and got accepted for a master's in counseling and went for it. Then the rest is history. I've been doing it. I know that it's my calling. And it seems to me that things along the way have always been a calling in kind mm -hmm. of a spiritual sense. So, you know, the job and now the book and my dogs and the world of show dogs and things like that as well. So that's the common thread that goes through all of that. I love that. Now, you just talked about show dogs. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, for the past, now it's 11, 12 years, I have been raising and showing champion Basset Hounds and Great Danes. That's been a new love of mine, but just had a litter of 10 puppies this summer. And we are preservation heritage breeders, which means we want to better the breed. We want uh, the absolute best Bassets being bred. And so we do health testing and do all of that. But yeah, I'm one of those crazy dog show ladies. <laughs> it goes around the ring, and but it's such a blast. And it's so great to be able to see dogs grow and grow into their own. And um, I have a dream one day of going to Westminster with a dog that's competitive and, and being on that, that basically that stage, the, the big dog stage and doing that and, and having a dog that I'm really proud of in terms of the show, the show life. So I've been just enjoying it and the friends I've met and the people I've met and a lot of the stories that I share in the book I received them from people that I've met at shows. Mm -hmm. And that's part of where the inspiration came from too. So it's all, again, interwoven with mm -hmm. the silver thread that goes through a lot of the things that have come uh, on my journey through life so far. So with Westminster, um, are you gonna do your Basset Hounds or your Great Danes? Well, who's ever ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who's ever ready? I have a feeling that it'll probably be a Basset but um, we, I co-own a Great Dane with a couple of really great ladies and uh, she's spectacular and she's doing really well. She's still showing and, and working on her championship. So you never know, she might be the one. So it just, it, it's just who's ever ready at the time and when I'm ready. But those are some of, the, some of the dreams that I'm going to realize once I'm retired. So although I love what I do and I'm not, uh, retiring from someplace, I'm retiring to somewhere else because I have all of these exciting ideas and thoughts and dreams and, and projects that I want to do when I retire. Not to mention hanging out with my 
my pets and also my husband and uh, uh, probably moving to a beautiful cabin location up in North Georgia or Western North Carolina, that type of thing. Oh, well, I'm in North Carolina. So yeah, North Carolina welcomes you. I'm not in Western, I'm in Eastern. I'm near the coast. Oh, so. that's great. That's great. That's a place where I plan to visit this summer with a group of friends. So maybe we'll stop by and say hi to the blog cabin. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's so cool. Now, before we get into your book, you actually mm -hmm. sent me a promo video that I want to play because I just love it. I was I had the chance to play it last night during a live. So I'm going to play it again for everybody to see. That's right. I hope you're back. Julie, how did your counseling career help with writing this book? Well, one of the inspirations for the book was stories that I would hear from friends of mine. And as I mentioned, you know, people want to share their stories with me. I'm a connector and they would, share stories about the pets that they loved and had passed. And what occurred to me was some of these folks were grieving for a very, very long time and very hard. Um, I had um, a friend of mine tell me that 16 years ago, her cat passed away and every morning she still cries about the feelings of loss that she has. And I just felt like, with my counseling background and my love of animals and, and, and working with pets and of course, you know, having many, many pets pass and experiencing that feeling of loss, um, I could make a contribution and really help people because I have been grieving in such a way that I'll share with you a little later um, in a way that was a little softer, a little gentler, and a little quicker moving through that process so that I would get to a point where the memories of the, the sweet memories of the time that we spent together, my pet and I, either my Flash, my Moselle, um, Winnie Cooper, Bandit. It wasn't that I was in tremendous pain anymore. It was more a bittersweet, loving memory of the times we spent together. And the counseling background allowed me to weave a bit of a therapeutic um, uh, tone to the book as well. So the book is really going to be helping people by having them feel connected with the feelings that they're feeling. They're not alone in those feelings, mm -hmm. but also bringing them through the journey of their grief, which they need to experience to get to the other side where the memories of that experience with their pet is now joyful. So that, and, and uh, going back to where that was inspired because it even started with an inspired thought, I'm kind of a bit of a new age chick. So I, I have a morning meditation that I do every morning. And every once in a while, if the spirit moves me, I'll go ahead and I'll do some meditation in the afternoon or early evening. And I was sitting in my meditation chair and right after one of my meditations, it just occurred to me that I've always wanted to write a book before, but never thought I could, would, what would the topic be? And the inspired thought was write a book about pet loss mm -hmm. and helping people through that as you have been able to help yourself with the thoughts and the philosophy and the theories that, that you have come to 
to come to a bring close to yourself. So that's where the book came from. Of course, not having ever written a book before, I'm a decent writer, but I've never written a book before. I really didn't know how to do that. So I have a friend of mine who wrote a book and she was involved with a group called Dream Sculpt Media and uh, Books and Media. And I got an author coach who I'll talk a little bit about later also, but he helped bring it to life and gave me different ideas about um, you know, how we can form the chapters and things like that. So the book came together. It took a while, a couple of years to write it, but uh, it just, it came out. And I, when I first held it in my hands for the very first time, I actually have a video of that moment on my Pet Soul Book Facebook page. I, I just couldn't believe it. And I, I'm really very proud of it because I know that it's really going to help people. And that's what it's all about. Well, in full disclosure, I couldn't get through all of it because it kept triggering for me. Sure. Because I have a 10-year-old Shih Tzu who's like uh, my baby. Oh. And I keep thinking, I don't know how much longer we'll have her. And that whole thing, was it was triggers me. Absolutely. that's And that's understandable. The book has many, um, sort of many different values to it. There's a little bit about, you know, what to do before it's time. How do I know it's time? There's a part in the book that talks about how you talk to people that you love who have just experienced the passing of their pet. What do you say? What's helpful? What's not helpful? Um, so there are parts of the book that'll help you before. Mm -hmm. So some folks will say, well, I haven't, I haven't, my pet hasn't passed yet, so I don't really need the book. But there are some helpful things in the book that will talk about, you know, how do you talk with your significant other and get on the same page so that when it is time, you're both thinking of the same thing as I've experienced when it didn't go well that way. So there are all kinds of things and you can kind of, you know, shift around a little bit in the book. If, if one part of it doesn't apply to you right now, maybe something else does, but you're right. I, I have heard that, that for some that their folks are in the living and they're doing well, but they may be older. Or they like, Oh my goodness, I don't want to read the book yet because you know I don't want to think about that time. Yeah. But the more prepared you are, for that time, the easier and the quicker in some cases your grieving process will be because you'll understand um, what the book is really about, which is the infinite nature of all things. So I'd love to talk about that part if I could. Go right ahead. <laughs> because that is really, that's really the crux of it. So, so when I first had the inspired thought of writing the book, and the reason why the book is called the pet soul book is because I have this belief and it just feels like home to me that we as people are actually spiritual beings having a human experience. And so there's this infinite part of us. And so I thought to myself, you know, if that's true, then what if our pets are, you know, spiritual beings having a canine, feline, uh, avian, equine experience, and they have an infinite nature. And I think that anybody that loves a pet and loves their dog, cat, bird, horse, lizard, understands that that pet is not just a dog or a cat, but there is a living spiritual being within that animal. 
So my the the thing that I thought was so so helpful was the fact that um, people um, people will get an idea. People will learn to make a shift in their perspective on the death of their pet. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start recognizing the internal, the eternal nature of them. And then it teaches pet owners a different way of thinking about it, thinking about that eternal nature so that when their pet passes into a non-physical form, they're still there. They've just changed form. They've changed from physical being to a spiritual being. And then it's up to you as the person who's experiencing that, whether you're ready to go to the next step, which would be looking for signs. You know, a lot of people will say, I saw a cardinal and that's a sign of, you know, my uncle Harry or, you know, what have you. Well, I've seen signs and sometimes you can even experience, if you're open to it, you can even experience some physical manifestations. Some people that in the book that I interviewed have seen physical manifestations of the pet that has passed um, and, or they've heard the, uh, you know, the pause on the, on the stairs of their cat that passed away two weeks ago or what have you. And those stories, when I heard them were so genuine and authentic. I mean, you can just tell with every fiber of their being that they believed and they knew that that was their pet. And so with that, you you will get to a point a little more quickly where that physical pain of the loss is not there as much because you still recognize that they're there with you. So the cool thing about the book is that it's really hopeful. It's not somber. It's not a bummer. It's not, there are some sad moments because when you share people's stories of the Mm -hmm. past and you can feel the emotion. So there is that emotional quality of it, but the book is ultimately a story of hope and the story of, you know, you being able to really have a living, breathing experience with your pet, even after they've passed, as long as, you know, you're open to that. So at one point in the book, I speak to my science folks because I have a lot of science folks in my, in my family that are going to say, what's all this woo woo stuff about spirit and, you know, new age and new thought and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want them to get lost in the rhetoric of that because I still think it's a valuable idea. And the reason why I say that is because there's an example in the book where I talk to science folks and say, Think of the properties of water. When water is solid, it's ice. And when water is vapor, it's water vapor or a cloud or what have you. But it's still water and it still exists. So when, we, when we're experiencing water in the form of water vapor, we may not see it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So perhaps for some folks that are thinking along the lines of physics and that type of thing, they can think about that example and say, well, we're talking about an animal that has consciousness. So why not, why not the existence of that, of my beloved pet still exists? So that sometimes is helpful for some folks that are not ready to quite go to that, the spiritual ideas. 
Now, I love how at the beginning of the book, you talk about your beloved Basset Hounds. So let's talk about those. Yes. So um, right now I have five. Um, and we, I have a seven-year-old that's living with me, a four-year-old who's getting ready to be bred. So she's living with my co-owner's family. And then I have two puppies from the litter that I bred um, this summer. And then I have their mama. So we are just, you know, they're running around, they're having fun. I have a makeshift um, dog show ring in my front yard. I have a couple of acres. So we run around. I have a ramp because basset hounds are shown on a ramp when they're being shown and exhibited in the dog show. So I have a little ramp for them and, and we play around in the yard and stuff like that. So they're just like any other pet. Uh, I think it's funny. Uh, some people have sort of an idea that show dogs are like little prima donnas or they're locked up in cages all day and with, with handlers all day and they're traveling all the time and they're not real pets. And so mine are like on their backs and their, <laughs> their legs are up in the air and they want their bellies rubbed and all that kind of stuff. And they're on, I have two, I'll have two of the puppies on my lap and they're both like 50 pounds now. <laughs> <laughs> while we're watching TV. So they're just as much pets as any, anybody that's going to have a non-show dog, which is, which is really cool. But um, so I'm really more of a dog person, although the book talks about, you know, any type of pet that you might have. And, you know, I grew up with guinea pigs. I grew up with hamsters. I grew up with, uh, um, one of my husband that just passed away a few years ago had exotic birds and I got to be very, very close to a couple of his birds. And you can see again, the consciousness and, you know, how alive they are and all of that. So I have some friends of mine who are very incredibly close to their birds and experience some of the same feelings and grief upon the death of their bird that somebody would with it with a dog or cat that some people think are traditional pets, but it could be any pet. It could be your fish. It could be your lizard, you know? So, um, another, a couple of other cool things about the book too is, um, when I wrote it, it was very important that it be a gift book. So if somebody wants to give this book as a gift, what I did was I had a, special inscription page made so somebody can write a little inscription like they would write a card to somebody mm -hmm. and actually give this as a, a lovely gift that's really going to help somebody even more than a greeting card. In the back of the book, there are resources, there are songs, videos, websites, places you can go if you need to find um, a place where you can write a memorial online, a place where you can buy altar materials so you can build a little altar, different things like that. So it's really a very comprehensive book. And then finally, at the very end, there's a memory page and there's a little journal area. So as somebody is going through the book, they can kind of journal some of their thoughts after each chapter, think about them, process them, and then go back, perhaps reread, and then go back to the next chapter. Yeah, and at the end of the chapters, you have something, I think they're called paw prints. Yes, yes. Talk about something. that. Why did you decide to do that? And you also create a workbook, too, at the end of each chapter. So let's talk about that. Oh, I'd love to. So the paw prints are kind of just like 
the main points of each chapter, kind of like something to think about. And some folks, you know, they might not necessarily like want to read the whole chapter again, although they're really kind of short. And I did that on purpose because when you're trying to work through grief, you don't want to, you don't want to read a 300 page book about your grief. <laughs> you know, you want to move through that process like I said, as quickly as possible, if you can, and come to the other side of that. So the paw prints, and this is an example of what they look like right here, it's just like three or four little bullet points of the most important things that I felt were in the chapter that can remind you, you could go back to those and then go back to your journal area in the back. Mm -hmm. And then thank you so much for mentioning the workbook. I just felt it was important to have some questions and some things for folks to do. Because when we read, we learn on one level, but when we do, and that's the educator in me, mm -hmm. we really, it really comes in. So it's questions related to the previous chapter that will really help you work through um, uh, some of these areas in each one of those chapters. Um, whether it's their grief, whether it's guilt around, things that may have happened, um, if it's, you know, working through some things with your spouse in terms of, like I said, getting on the same page, mm -hmm. working through learning about the idea of uh, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, some extra reading you can do if that's something that resonates with you and interests you. So would you mind, I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't ask you about this earlier, but would you mind reading a part of your book? Oh, I would love to. As a matter of fact... I thought that I would read the, the neat thing that I found is as I was starting the research for the book, I found so many things that were so apropos. And so at the beginning of each chapter, there's either a quote, a poem, and they all relate to that particular chapter. And they're very poignant most of the time, mm -hmm. but they bring forth that again, that idea, and I'm gonna say it over and over again, the idea of we're spiritual beings having a canine or a feline experience. So yeah, I'd love to. So, <clears throat> so for me, it is my belief that this is the true spiritual nature of your beloved pet. You can choose to look at your pet's loss differently. That is one of the reasons why the book has been written, and I'm sharing this different way of experiencing your grief. In the 2018 movie, Mary Poppins Returns, there is a line that says, nothing's gone forever, just a little out of place. I just love that little nugget of wisdom. Thinking of your pet's death differently does not mean you're not gonna feel the pain and you're not going to grieve, but once you can make the shift, it will feel less like a loss because you will connect with your pet's infinite nature more than the physical nature. So if you can make that jump to they are infinite beings, then they are really not lost. They've just changed form. Author Annie Kagan says, when you realize that other dimensions exist, you'll never think of life, death, yourself, or the universe in the same way again. And in the same vein, Ernest Montague says in his Rainbow Bridge blog, dogs never die. They don't know how to. When you think your dog has died, it has just fallen asleep in your heart. And by the way, it is wagging its tail madly, you see, and that's why your chest hurts so much and you cry all the time. But don't get fooled. 
They are not dead. There's no such thing, really. They are sleeping in your heart, and they will wake up usually when you're not expecting it. It's just who they are. Dogs never die. They don't know how to. And although Mr. Montague is musing about dogs, this sentiment can be applied to any pet, from hamster and fish to pig or horse. I love that. Yeah. Dogs never die. If only it was actually true that the they stay as long as they do. I know. It, it really is. It's so hard. And one of the things that I think makes it so hard, you bring up such a good point that it's so difficult, is because I believe that they are dogs and cats and any pet are the ones that can really show us what um, unconditional love really is. I, I say something in the book that I can get up in the morning and my hair can be on one side and my mascara has run from the night before. I had bad breath and I'm going to walk out of my bedroom and my dog is still going to be happy to see me or my cat is going to be jumping up on me or my horse is going to want to nuzzle me, you know, and we don't really find that level of unconditional love in human beings. It's just really, really difficult for us to uh, be able to express ourselves with others without judgment or, yeah. you know, so in, in feeling that and really feeling that unconditional love, we take their passing, their passing affects us so deeply mm -hmm because that's something that we crave so, so, so deeply also. And in this day and age with COVID and people kind of locked in their homes, things are loosening up a little bit more, but there are a lot of people that are still fearful of leaving. There's some folks that their pets are their significant others. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that, you know, they go to sleep with at night and they talk to during the day. And, and uh, so when they pass, it's, it's just as devastating and just as deep and, and uh, difficult as, as if it, in some cases, could be a, a human significant other. So I think that's why the book is so timely now um, in that, you know, folks are going to really need that support and maybe not find it on a Zoom call or what have you, but, you know, they can have something very intimately next to them where they can hold it in their hand and read through the pages and, and, and hopefully hear my voice and, and feel the level of emotion that I have saying, you know, it is okay. You know, we understand. Um, one of the things I hear a lot from folks, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Sometimes when they express their feelings about the passing of their pet, there are folks out there that just don't understand. And, oh, you know, it's only your dog or, you know, only your cat or, mm -hmm. you know, why are you making such a big deal about it was only a pet? And it's so hurtful because, you know, that's our loved one. I say, you know, a guide for letting go and connecting with your beloved pet because it is your beloved. It is, you know, one of the loves of your lives. And folks that... Uh, I'm not making a judgment. There are folks that are just not pet people and that's okay, mm -hmm. but they might not understand the level of grieving that somebody can go through. As I mentioned about my friend who was still grieving after 16 years, I just felt like I really wanted to speak to that person and say, you can move past that pain to something that you'll feel joyful about the memory of, of him now. 
Yeah, because I know there's a lot of people that, like, when they lose a pet, they immediately go out and get another one. They don't grieve it. Are there some that say, you know what, I'm not getting another pet. I can't go through this again. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that, each yes. side of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I really like that idea, too, because the one thing that we've got to remember is everybody grieves differently. So there are some that their grieving will be assuaged that much easier if they do get another pet right away. It may not, it may look like they're getting over it really quickly and able to get a new pet, but very often that new pet is helping them go through the grieving. And the reason why I say that is because I've, um, in the last three years, I've, I've uh, experienced the passing of four of my Bassets, but each time, that one of them passed, I had my others around me. And part of my healing and my grieving was the ability to hold them and pet them and cry in their fur and, you know, love them and talk to them about the other. And so there was this level of um, comfort that they gave me. So I do have a friend of mine who's uh, who had a puppy that passed very tragically. It wasn't her fault. It was just, you know, it had a, it had an illness that was unfortunate. It was a young puppy and she was able to get another puppy a couple of weeks later who has just been the love of her life. And it helped her get through the grieving of the other. And I was very proud that she was able to recognize that that's what it was for her. And then on the flip side, there are those folks that really need the time to be alone with the memory and maybe cry with a picture, maybe cry with an altar, maybe have the paw print or um, a lot of uh, pet crematoriums and, and different services that come out. There's some pet euthanasia uh, groups that come out and will do euthanasia in the home and they will... Um, gather a little bit of fur and maybe do a paw print with ink on a piece of paper for you that you can frame, or they'll do a paw print in uh, clay for you. So you have that lasting memory of your pet. And I can tell you, I was really, really surprised um, because of my feelings about the infinite nature of the spirit and all of that <clears throat> with the book. Um, I didn't feel like it was necessary that I necessarily had the cremains of my pets, but after the passing of my Moselle and Flash that we read about in the book, mm -hmm. I did offer them to the local pet crematorium, which happens to be owned by a very good friend of mine. And I had them cremated and I got this lovely little box that I have with their names on it. But what really moved me so much was I opened a card that was in the package and it had a beautiful paw print of Moselle with her name on it and a little glassine case with her fur. But the paw print, Melissa, I mean, I could see her paw in that print and I felt like she was close to me just looking at it. It was, I, I was shocked by my, um, by my reaction to it, actually. I didn't realize that it wouldn't be that meaningful. Mm -hmm. So those are the types of things that for folks that are not ready to perhaps get another pet and may never get another pet, those are the things that will comfort them moving forward. And that's just fine. I so, know when our beloved pets passed, we have Rose Garden back there and we plant a rose 
bush for each one of them. And we try to pick out a color that kind of signifies their personality. Um, like my, our dog Tutu, who we had since she was like a baby. And it was mm -hmm. really hard to see her go because she had been seeing the girls grow up. She grew up with the girls. I mean, we had her mom, her mom, and we picked out a beautiful yellow rose bush for her because she was always happy no matter what. Another dog came in our yard at one time and attacked her and she still wanted to play with the dog. Oh. I mean, really, I mean, tried to bite her and she's over there wagging her tail and you looks like she's always had a smile on her face. Like wow. she, she never met anybody that she couldn't like, that oh. she didn't love or another dog. But her mom, on the other hand, had been an abused dog, an abandoned oh. dog that we had taken in because that was our very first dog as a family with all my girls. Mm -hmm. And her mom was fiercely loyal, fiercely did not like any other dogs, but her daughter. Mm -hmm. And when we got our little Shih Tzu Allie, she like tried to eat Allie. <laughs> well, it sounds, I mean, you obviously understand this situation and because you had mm -hmm. such deep, deep love for your pets and they were another family member, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, they are family members and we, we need to learn to, to grieve their passing in a way that it doesn't harm us to the core and mm -hmm. that we can get through it and be told that, you know, basically any way that you do it is okay. And as long as you do get through it so that, uh, you know, your beloved pet, um, I just, I think to myself, and maybe this is a bit of a reach, but I really do think this, that they bring us so much joy, just like yours brought so much joy mm -hmm. to the family growing up with the kids growing up and had bonded so much, even with that very harsh upbringing, that one that mm -hmm. came from the shelter. Um, and they just, you know, they want you to be happy. So after they pass, I feel like, they want you to get through that grief as quickly as possible because they would want you to feel joy again and think of their memory in a joyful way and not in a sad and painful and, and hurtful way. And uh, so that's so part of writing the book was also sort of, you know, in honor of my four that passed and, um, you know, uh, right after the the publishing of the book, one of my other my oldest mm -hmm. my oldest just passed in December, and I mean that was that was rough because she was you know one of my first Bassets and um, you know not seeing her sitting there at you know at the kennel gate you know waiting for me to come home and then we let them all out and they're running around the yard and everything I'd always look over as I'm getting out of my van to see her and she wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's that void that, that happens when that one is missing. So, um, you know, that's, that is the tough part. That is a tough part. Although um, what's been exciting is meeting so many of these people that have these lovely stories in the book. And it reminds me of one of the stories um, was a gentleman that walked up to me at a dog show and uh, we started talking and I told him about the book. It was prior to the publishing of the book. And I told him a little bit about it. And he said, and this was like a little bit off the topic, which was really interesting to me. So I just felt like I had to put it in his dog. Every Memorial day never is not like a, not a howler. It's another Bassett. And they typically will go, oh, oh, oh. some of them do. And some of them don't. And she really didn't do that. 
But on every Memorial Day, they would play the Memorial Day parade on the TV. And there was always that one guy who would play taps on a single um, trumpet. And during taps, she starts, ooh, ooh. And then at the very end, she'd go, hmm. Mm. Almost as though she was sort of tapping in maybe to the spirits of the soldiers. I don't know, but it was just so interesting. So if folks want to see those videos or want to see um, the pictures of the pets in the book, um, they can go to my website and, and you know talk a little bit about the social media aspect and that type of thing and other projects. But I felt like when I read a book, if I'm reading about something, I want to get a visual. You know, I want to see what Flash looked like. I wanted to see what Shiner looks like. And so when folks buy the book, they, they could go on my website anyway, even if they don't buy the book. And they can see pictures of the pets and some of the videos of some of the things that I talk about in the book. And that's going to bring everything to be a little bit more real for them. Now, you mentioned earlier about, you know, trying to decide when is the right time to let them pass. And then you also talked about both if you're owning it with somebody else. Yeah. being on the same page. So let's talk about first, when's the right time? When do you know? And then how to be on the same page? Yeah, that's the, the, how do you know is, can be a very challenging thing. And so in the book, I do have some answers about that. Um, there are a couple of things that you can do. You can either take a really sort of educated approach. And if you do that in the book, I have something that is called a quality of life scale. And it's right here. And it was developed by, by a veterinarian that you can actually like look at different criteria of how your dog is beginning to behave and act, um, especially when they're older. And you can score it and kind of get an idea if you're a little bit closer. I have a little bit of different approach um, where um, I, kind of feel like the dog is going to give me a sign that they're ready. And in the book, I call that the look. And you kind of, they'll, they'll kind of look at you. And when you're connected with your pet, and I think you know what I mean, Melissa, because mm -hmm. you've been connected to yours, they'll give you a look like, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. And it's not always as, it's never cut and dry. You never really can say, well, this is the reason, this is the reason. Another thing is that I want to read from the book really quickly. Um, one friend told me that her vet helped her by asking three important questions. Do they still greet you at the door? Can or do they get up and drink on their own? And can or do they go to the door on their own to let you know they have to go potty? If any of these are a no, you have your answer. Um, so that's another approach that if you notice some really significant differences in the way your dog behaves, my Winnie, the one that passed just this December, um, used to stay in the house. And because she was older, she stayed in the house. We have an outdoor kennel. It's heated and cooled. It's like the Taj Mahal of dogs. And they only sleep in there at night. And then they have the run of the, the whole property during the day. But she didn't want to stay in the house anymore. And she really didn't want to be around us. She wanted to be in the kennel by herself most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that was a real departure from the way she was acting. 
She would also stand in the, um, in the room. She would stand in a room and she would kind of look off into space. So these were some different signs that, that are clear indicators that they're close. And there still may be some more things you can make them more comfortable. There's some really great dog foods out there that, that have some um, brain enhancing nutrients and things like that, that I've tried who have been, that have been very effective. Um, but after a while, there gets to be a time when things get to a point where it's really time to, to look at, you know, look at some options and see if it's closer. Talk to a loving pet friend, have a consultation with your vet. Or if you have a, a breeder friend that's very knowledgeable, you know, talk to your breeder friend or talk to a rescue friend who has experienced the loss of many pets or the, the death of many pets. So I think that's certainly something that can help. Um, and then your other question was about uh, being on the same page with your significant other. <clears throat> One of the stories in the book I talk about is um, of my, uh, we had a beagle named Bandit that my husband and I had purchased. And uh, he was just like the love of our lives. He was so much fun, um, but he developed cancer and we had some surgery done. It looked really good, but the cancer came back pretty quickly after. And I had felt like Bandit had given me the look at one point, mm -hmm. but he was still eating and drinking and pooping and peeing. And that's a lot of times the, the physical signs that maybe it's closer to the time when they don't do that. But I think there's more. And in this particular case, we were keeping him comfortable with medication, but I still felt it was close to his time. And my husband didn't feel that way. He felt like he wanted a more definitive, um, uh, he wanted some more definitive signs of that. So it was pretty painful because I felt like that maybe he wasn't, you know, we couldn't keep him quite as comfortable as I felt like we needed to. And, but at the same time, I, I wanted to also respect the feelings of my husband too and how he felt. And eventually it didn't take that long. Eventually, you know, we came to an agreement of when it was time, but that can be really painful. So if you can have a little discussion about, well, when will you know, honey? And when will you know? And even with the children, helping them sort of prepare for that. Um, I don't directly address it in the book because I do have some plans on possibly doing a pet soul book for kids. Um, mm. But bringing children, even young ones, into the understanding of the passing of the pet because it's part of life. Also being open with your emotions around it. You know, if you're crying, being okay about crying in front of the children about the sadness you're feeling about the death or the passing. Mm -hmm. um, that's very natural and it's very normal and it helps your kids have authentic feelings and emotions around things that are sad. And that's part of the whole counseling piece of it, which I think is very, very helpful. So um, those are some things that I think can really help. And I'm hoping, you know, your listeners are, are, are picking up some really good ideas about, you know, how to handle some things, how to think of things differently. And, and uh, that's, that's why I wrote the book. I just really want people to have an easier time with a very, very tough time that they're going to go through in their life. 
So, so tough for sure. Now let's talk about your journey to writing your book. You talked about getting an author coach and everything else. So let's talk about the book. It's not, not the actual content of the book, but the actual journey to getting it into book. Journey form. to getting it. Well, it was really interesting. Um, once I had that epiphany about, boy, I'd like to write a book about pet loss at that time. Not really using the word loss anymore because um, I don't want to think of it in terms of the loss. But um, I went to a really great um, workshop, uh, a celebration workshop with some folks. And I knew that there, my friend who had written this book, her, her book and had introduced me to some folks, I knew that the publisher, one of the publishers of this particular group was going to be there. So I asked my friend to introduce me to her and I was going to just share with her my thoughts about this possible book that I'd like to write. I was absolutely floored by her reaction. She's this very elegant, lovely woman who just started jumping up and down and saying, oh my gosh, this book is going to be absolutely phenomenal for people. And I knew at that moment that the book had to be written somehow. So I made contact with Dream Sculpt and I began working with Jared Rosen, who was my author coach, and with Lynn Kitchen, who was the publisher that was so excited with the original idea of the book. And I would meet with him on Zoom or phone calls once a month or so. Started out with like one, uh, twice a month and it would go to once a month and it was once every few months. And it was essentially just sort of um, keeping me on the path of motivating me through the book. Because at what I noticed when I was writing, and of course everybody, every writer's process is different, um, there were times along the way where I lost my confidence. <laughs> like I saw another book perhaps that looks similar to mine. I thought, oh, I don't have a unique idea anymore. So maybe it's not relevant or maybe it won't be useful. And then I thought, you know what? I read a lot of books about a certain topic that are about the same topic, but maybe written by different people. And they all have a different slant on that topic. So my book might be about pet loss and there's other books on pet loss, but no one has a book that's exactly like mine. Mm -hmm. That's going to help people in exactly the same way mine does. So those were some hurdles that he helped me through, you know, getting over that writer's block of, Oh my goodness, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not getting any ideas right now. What can I do? And he said, you know, quiet yourself again and get back into that, you know, that state of being in the moment. And so throughout the writing of the book, those were some of those hurdles that I had to go through and finally got to the point. Oh, and then there was a point where I felt like I was at the end of the book. And he said, well, you should have a certain word count, you know, how many words in the book so far. And I was way off. And I thought, I don't know if I have any more ideas to put in it. And, and then all of a sudden I just calmed myself again and the ideas started to flow and it's like, oh my goodness, that's going to be valuable and that's going to be valuable. And that's something else I didn't touch on and added to it. And pretty soon it was like, I knew it was ready. And he thought it was ready and it was ready. And so uh, we published it back in October of last year and it's still fresh. It's the kind of book that will never go out of style. It'll still be relevant 10 years from now. So I'm really looking forward to the journey after COVID with the book 
which will allow me to attend, attend some conferences and, you know, get books in the hands of people through veterinarians, perhaps through pet crematoriums, through friends and family that just want to gift the book to people seeing it on Facebook or Instagram or see the video, see it from chats from the blog cabin. Thank you so much. You know, that's the whole idea is that I want to get it into the hands of people that really need it to, to soothe them. Yeah, I love that. So you 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 mentioned a little while ago maybe doing it for children. Is that your next thing coming up? Yeah, I'm looking. I, I haven't really started the the brainstorming process on that, but that's really intriguing because a lot of people will say, "Well, is there anything in the book about how to talk to kids about pet loss?" And not specifically, but if you read the book, you can come to your own conclusions about the way you want to approach your children. So this would be perhaps a book for children with the ideas of the pet soul book woven through the idea of, you know, a children's version of we are spiritual beings having a canine experience, et cetera, mm -hmm. and maybe using an animal um, host for the book or, you know, being the protagonist of the book and having some really cool, whimsical uh, illustrations and things like that. So that's an idea. I also have an idea for a workshop that, um, you know, kind of an e-workshop where people can go on and, and go through each uh, chapter with me and do the uh, workbook, uh, you know, the workbook assignments together, you know, maybe once a week or once a month or what have you. Um, would love to do some speaking engagements at uh, some really relevant uh, conferences, such as veterinary conferences or um, grief and loss conferences, or even just, you know, strictly, you know, book conferences, animal conferences, that type of thing. Just just so folks know it's available and it's out there for them to, to get and so they can help themselves. Well, our time is almost up. Is there one last little nugget that you want to leave people with before we talk about where people can find you? Yeah, I just I just want people to know that, you know, I'm here. I did one of my most recent projects was I started a Facebook group and, it, and it's so new. It's like days old. It's called the Pet Loss Grief and Loss Support. And there are tons of Facebook grief and loss support groups out there. But this one would be specific to um, getting some uh valuable feedback and advice and comfort and from the pet soul book community and also from me. And it's a way to, you know, find ways of getting the book too, that will help. So if somebody in just recently had somebody post um, a very um, painful loss of their pet and um, she bought the book and, you know, hasn't gotten it yet, but very excited about getting it. But it gave her the opportunity to also get some support from other people within our community that really understand what she's going through and have been through similar things. And it was a particularly uh, sad way that the pet died and she needed some additional support with that. So um, so that's something that folks can tap into if if they have a need and, and I'd really love to, they just want to just write something about a previous loss or, or just want to uh, be a community member to help others that are going through that. Love to have you on the pet soul grief and loss support group on, on Facebook.
That'll be great. Okay, so where can people find you at? Well, they can find me in lots of different places. Of course, like everybody else, I'm on social media all over the place. You can find me on Facebook, uh, the Pet Soul Book Facebook page, or the one that I just mentioned, which was the Pet Soul Grief and Loss Support page, or on Twitter, I'm at Zephyr Moore. Um, on Instagram, it's the Pet Soul Book. On uh, my email address is juliemoreauthor at gmail.com, and you have it up there. That's great. And um, the website is www.juliemoreauthor.com or www.petsoulbook.com. So I wanted to offer your followers and your listeners and your viewers a free gift. So if you guys were, if you guys will go to my website and give me your email address down at the bottom of the front page, uh, I will send you, or if you just drop me an email at juliemoreauthor um, at gmail.com, I will send you um, this beautiful uh, writing of pet, 10 pet soul reminders to help soothe your grief. And it's really pretty. It has a picture of the book on it, but it's like, something that you can either, um, you can frame it, you can just fold it up and put it in your pocket. And if you're going through something and you just need a couple of little soothing things to get you through and you, you know, you don't have time to read your book, you're at work, but you're going through a hard time. You can pull this out of your desk and you have, we have 10 days of different little things that can help you soothe your grief at the time. And all of these, um, uh, all of these things come directly from the book. And I'd love to send one to each and every person, a uh, PDF file of that, that uh, sends me their email address and um, I'll put you on my mailing list and you can find out where I'm going to be and where I'm speaking and, and different things like that. I'd love that. Let's talk about that real quick. Cause you, I totally forgot to ask you launching a book during COVID <laughs> to be hard on you. How did you bring your campaign, your marketing campaign? How did that? How did you have to switch that up? Yeah, well, it's been a challenge, and um, having when you become an author for the first time, it's almost the easy part, even though it's not, <laughs> because when you're an author, you're not necessarily a natural marketer, and I certainly am not. So I listen to a lot of podcasts about book marketing and stuff like that. And I've just like taken any and all opportunity. I've been on several podcasts again. Thank you so much, Melissa, for this opportunity. I'm just so excited to be on yours. I have, you know, um, I have put different Facebook groups together and invited people. And I have a, a, a pretty large Facebook following um, just on my regular page on just my Julie Moore page. So I've invited a lot of people that have joined me. Um, I've been able to do some, um, uh, a few, I had a book, I had a book launch. It was a small one, but in my hometown at mm -hmm. uh, a pet supply plus, um, uh, dog food and and dog accessory store. That was such a blast. I sold a few books there and and got some information out to folks. I've done some sidewalk sales. I've you know I'm on Twitter. I've done the uh, video. So you just have to kind of you know switch it up and do some things. But I'm really eager to meet people and really connect with real people face to face. And looking forward to doing that. 
um, perhaps a little bit in the summer and coming in 2021 and 22, where I can go on the road a little bit and really meet people. Because that's where you really connect mm -hmm. and then people will, will really recognize that this is something that will really help them. It's not just another author selling a book, but it's somebody who really um, genuinely and authentically is there for them. Yes, Julie, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And when you do write that children's book, you are more than welcome to come back and talk about the children's book. That is great. I would love that, Melissa. Thank you so, so much. Appreciate it very much being on. This has been a blast. It has been. So guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Have a great night. Bye-bye folks. Y'all, I will put in the show notes the link where you can get the book, as well as all the ways that you can contact Julie and, as she mentioned, her free gift. Um, if you want to get the free gift, I will put in the show notes free gift and what it is and where to go get it. So I want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. Please like, leave a review, rate, um, chats from the blog cabin, wherever you listen to. And if you hop over to YouTube, subscribe and leave me a comment on a YouTube. So I hope you have a blessed day and remember, keep chatting.